0: CHAPTER Seven. ANCIENT Balbek. "'Girgos, I've received word from Abdiyashirta,' Sonya said excitedly. "'His son, Azira, will meet with you, in Baalbek. "'Is he sending an escort, or should I find a man to travel with?' "'He asked me to show you the way. He really wants to talk to you. He—' "'I am immediately uncomfortable,' Girgos interrupted. "'We will not be well protected. A scribe and a servant-woman?' "'We will go as husband and wife, Girgos. "'Amina suggested this,' Sonia quickly added when she saw his skull deepen. "'Amina nodded her head in agreement. "'However, we will go dressed as simple Amuru, not as a royal scribe. "'If we do it that way, it means we'll have to walk the whole way, doesn't it?' "'Yes,' she smiled. "'We will allow a week to travel, so we must leave tomorrow. "'Amina and I have begun gathering things for the trip.' We have brought out Bedouin clothes, a thob, syrwall, white trousers, and a keffiyeh for you to wear tomorrow. Why, Baalbek Sonia? people know me there, and they will recognize me. No, we will stay low on the road. In towns, we will walk close to the buildings, not become a display. You are not used to living on the unnoticed side of life. It is easy to become lost in busy places. All right, if you both think this will work. He looked meaningfully at his wife, who smiled and nodded again. That night in bed, Girgos lay awake, staring at the ceiling with his hands behind his head. His wife stirred and got up to relieve herself. The growing baby was making sleeping through the night a fifty-fifty event. Oh, did I wake you? she asked as she slid back into bed. No, it's hard to sleep, me. Big things are coming, and I want to be ready for them. He reached over and pulled her close. What kind of danger do you think you might run into, Girkos? Should I be worried about you? Don't be, honey. I wouldn't go if I thought I wouldn't be back. If things were really looking poorly, I wouldn't leave you alone at all. Is there truly no help coming from Egypt? Or are you just becoming bored living here? Things cannot continue as they have been. Ribhara has been writing for a while now with no response, and Abdi ashurta is slowly but surely taking land from the Egyptians. They are stupid not to realize this threat. Why don't you just go to the Mitanni king? Go see Tashrata. He rules everything above Egypt, from Samaria to the sea, or that's what you've told me, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Then why are you exposing yourself to this Abdiyashirta fellow? You know so little about him, and his name brings contempt and disdain to the lips of those who speak it. Because the Mitanni people may not be here much longer. Why do you say such a thing? The Hittites are overrunning Mitanni's regions and contesting the Mitanni western lands. Abdiyashirta may have insights into this struggle, and who knows? If his tribal federation takes control of the area, they'll need a scribe, maybe even a royal one. Now that he had explained it to Amina, it made more sense to him. He was ready. Girgos and Sonia left early the next morning. They would go east into the mountains, to Afka, and then into the Baka Valley, to Baalbek. You look great together, Amina smiled at the image they created. They looked like an Amorite shepherd couple, ready for travel, in their favorite hillbilly Bedouin outfits. For the next seven days, the faux-Bedouin couple quietly made their way toward Baalbek, bedding down on the edge of towns where traders were allowed. Why can't these big empires coexist, Girgos, Sonia asked. It was mid-morning on their last day. Why can't Akhenaten and Tushrata leave us alone? Why do they insist on inserting themselves into our lives? Sonia, you're seeing this from your uncle's viewpoint. You see these empires as the enemy and a threat. In my case, I see empires as places of opportunity. Only if one is given the opportunity to be part of it. The empires are so powerful, Sonia. they rule the entire world. Akhenaten, Supiluliuma and Tushwara do not see the Amorites as serious enemies. They are too busy watching each other. Abdiyashirta is just another upstart, and they don't worry about small potatoes like him. Well, maybe my people, the Amorites, want their own empire. Abdiyashirta wants us to have our own say over what happens to us. Oh look, we're almost there! Sonia pointed her finger at a city rising in the distance. The Bekaa Valley was an agricultural center on the inland trade route connecting Egypt with the various empires in the north, and this stretch to Baalbek also went on to Damascus. The road was thick with traffic after they left the eastern hills. Where do we go? Who are we meeting, Sonia? Girgis was beginning to feel anxious. I was told to walk toward the temple. Someone will find us. Suddenly, five Bedouin traders came up from behind them at a fast clip. They were riding burros, which was a bit comical as the burros were short. The men had to consciously keep their feet off the ground by sticking them out to the side while bouncing up and down with the burros' clumsy gait. Still, they were making good time. Two burros without riders carried large bundles strapped to their backs. They were surrounded within the protective pocket of the riders. Girgos thought they looked suspicious. Hmm, Sonia. Don't you think five traders is three too many men to help transport the goods of two asses? And they are in quite a hurry. Perhaps there's gold or treasure up ahead, Sonia laughed. The two travelers watched as the caravan hurried out of sight. Nearing the city walls two hours later, they found themselves surrounded by eight men wearing red checkered keffees and white thobs. At first, the strangers said nothing. They made no eye contact, but just kept pace with the two from the coast. If he had not been told they would be met in Balbec, Girgos would have thought they were about to be robbed. Finally, the man in front spoke to Sonia. Good day, madam. What is your business in Baalbek? It was unusual for a man to address a woman before first speaking to her husband or escort. Girgos, surprised by this social faux pas, frowned at the ignorant brute. The man was dark, with olive-colored skin, thin and tall, with a clean-shaven face, and greenish-blue, bright eyes. He flashed a quick smile. How do you entertain a bored pharaoh? The man asked Sonia. Excuse me. Girgos was about to protest the undesirable behavior when he saw Sonia smiling at the man as if she knew him. Sail a boatload of young women, dressed only in fishing nets down the Nile, and urge the pharaoh to go catch a fish, she replied. Sonia, the rude man spoke to her again. A zero. Sonia ran to him and hugged him. He pushed away from her and stood back, looking her up and down. Gosh, it's good to see you, he said. A big smile spread across his face as he grabbed her neck in a friendly arm lock. I missed you, Sonia. Okay, ouch, you win, stop, Sonia struggled to get away. Stop, Aziru, that's enough. She slapped his arm and twisted around. We are much too old for this childish behavior, she scolded him. She wiggled free of his clutches and stood tall next to him, smoothing her hair and looking defiant. Then she grabbed his head in both hands, pulling him towards her, and kissed him on the lips. She was so tickled to see him. When she saw Girgus frowning at her, she remembered their vital mission and stepped back. Well, we made it, Azuru, she said seriously. Yes, I can see that. And this gentleman must be Ribhada's scribe. Yes, Sonya said. His name is Girgus. Girgus, this is Aziru. Aziru looked the scribe up and down with an unreadable face. Unused to having people scrutinize him with ambivalence, the glance irritated Girgus. Nonetheless, he smiled and attempted to show Aziru what good manners were. Hello, he said, and held out his right hand. It's nice to meet you. Aziru, accepting the welcome, grabbed the proffered hand and looked Girgus directly in the eyes. And you, he replied, with a thin, measured smile. Both men studied the other but said nothing for an uncomfortable few moments. My father, Abdiyashirta, sends a welcome and thanks for seeking him out, Aziru finally said, breaking the silence. He hopes we become brothers. Girgos smiled at this friendly welcome. It verified his hope that the Amorites would be interested in what he could offer them. As the group started to move, Girgos fell in step behind Sonia and Aziru. The two friends continued to chatter away. Girgus relinquished any semblance of control he previously felt he might have had over the situation, keeping to himself, mostly because he was hungry, and because the four Bedouins behind him were silent. He spent the remainder of the journey lost in his thoughts as they plodded on to Baalbek. As they approached the city gates, Aziru steered them from the temple complex. Come this way, he said. Girgus smelled the odor of manure as they entered a series of stables on the edge of town. They were in the karam. This was the merchant section, a tariff-free international zone. Baalbek officials would not collect local taxes on the merchandise unless they were sold in Baalbek. If the traders were merely staying the night, only duty fees for allowing the caravan to pass through the area were collected. The tributes were sent north to Kadesh, then westward along the Holmes Pass to Smyra, the capital of the Egyptian Amuru province. From Samira the passage fees would be loaded on a ship and sent to Egypt to fill Akhenaten's coffers. It was this exact trade route the Amorites were disrupting, inflicting much misery on Ribhada and his Egyptian mayoral contemporaries. The common area of the Karim was unusually crowded with people, because many caravans were spending the night. Being nomads at heart, these long-distance travelers preferred to camp outside because it was free, and a stay in the city was unnecessary. Any traders who had more precious cargo could choose to stay within the protection of the walls at night. The extra cost was well worth the peace of mind to those who could afford it. Especially since here, in Baalbek, they were close to the lawless lands of Kadesh, Homs, and Katna. Azira's group passed large pens containing the pack animals of the caravans. Donkeys were in most of the corrals, but suddenly, Girgis saw an animal he only heard about. Those must be camels, he said, as they passed a stabled herd of eight dromedaries. Two were up, chewing on barley hay. The other six were sitting on the ground, their long legs folded neatly underneath them. They were alert and content, moving their heads back and forth as they watched the crowds walking by. These hairy, brown-haired, awkward-appearing beasts looked happy, spewing out long, low moans of contentment and punctuating the air with loud burps while they lazily chewed their cuds. "'I have arranged a place to eat and sleep. Follow me.' Aziru walked ahead of the group and ushered them into a small room through a door in one of the stables. There were no windows, and the room stunk of manure, but it offered safe refuge. "'Beer?' Aziru asked. "'Sure,' Gyrgus thought a moment and continued. "'Aziru, I am here as a representative for Gubla and Egypt. When will I be able to speak with your father, Abdiashirta?' "'That will be the day after tomorrow, dear brother.' Baalbek is too dangerous for him to be here. We cannot meet father until we go further north, into safer regions. My father is waiting in Ebla, half a day past Holmes. Girgos felt his impatience growing. This is not what he was expecting. He had already walked several days and did not want to be delayed longer. He thought they might be stringing him along. Zero, I am weary of the journey. May I suggest you allow me to arrange a cart to take us onward? That way, we may be able to reach Ebla in one day. Is that agreeable to you? Only if your request doesn't raise questions, Azero replied cryptically. I'm not used to being spoken to indirectly, Azero, Can I ask around for a card or can't I? Azero backtracked quickly. He did not want to antagonize a potential ally. I mean no disrespect, Gergus. However, if you are not careful, your actions may betray us. And if there is trouble, I must disappear. I see. However, I'm anxious to meet your father as soon as possible. Girgos felt exposed here in the carom, surrounded by so many foreign traders. Aziru, a mountain man, felt otherwise, but held his tongue. Okay, Aziru said. Let's go find transportation. Can you ride a camel? I never have. Can you? Not very well, Aziru laughed. Finally, with the help of Girgos' royal credit card, the group was able to obtain a cart and two oxen. Girgos always carried the clay cylinder with his diplomatic seal engraved onto it. Any document was made official when it was composed and sealed by Girgos' line of scribes. By bringing the cylinder signed contract to an Egyptian official in the territory, a merchant would receive recompense for the sale. It was a guaranteed credit card good in any subjugated land where merchants displayed the holy Egyptian flail and crook, the symbol of pharaonic rule, in their doorway. Is everything arranged, Aziru? Sonia asked when the two men returned from their search. Yes, it is all finished. We will leave at dawn. Girgos arranged for a cart to take us north tomorrow. Everyone slept fitfully in the strange, cramped, smelly quarters. Eager to continue, they were up before the sun, Aziru let the rest of his men know he was leaving, while Sonia and Girgos went to retrieve the cart. "'Sonia,' Girgos said as they walked together. "'The camels are gone. The traders have already left with them. "'Maybe it's going to be a scorching day.' "'How long ago did they leave?' Girgos asked the stableman. "'A short while ago. They are returning to Tar. "'Why would they turn around and go back the way they came? "'Maybe they forgot something.' The fellow was snappy and looked irritated, to discourage further questions. Girgos pressed on anyway. Are you sure they were going back? He asked, worried that the change portended bad news. Is there danger ahead? Sonia came close when she heard the anxiety in Girgos' voice. What's going on? Shh! In a minute, Sonya. I was just asking this man if he heard the traitors correctly. As correctly as I needed to, man. The cart mechanic suddenly exploded. It is my business to collect the fees, not to worry about what direction people go. And I need your cylinder, Mark, now. Girgos turned to Sonya to fill her in while the cartman went to retrieve their rental. I have bad news for you, the stable mechanic said as he returned from his shop. We no longer have your cart. What happened? Girgos was incredulous. First he was treated rudely, and now there was no cart. The axle broke, so there is no cart. What? You're kidding me. I thought this was all arranged last night. Okay, here's another hard question. How long will it take to fix it? Hmm, let's see. Um, It depends on which roads are open. I think I can have an axle delivered by the day after tomorrow. He didn't seem to be in any rush to help them. Aren't there any extra axles here in town, for Pete's sake? No, there aren't any here, and this is not a machine shop. You are out of luck. Well, can I see the old axle? No, I sold it for firewood. Now Girkus remembered why he hated to travel. He walked around, wandering to and fro, worrying over these recent events. Where were the traders really going, he thought. When did they leave, and why do I care? He kicked at a pile of manure. It is cold. Those camels left a long time ago. I'll bet they're going straight across the desert to the Euphrates, to the Mitanni king, to Shraddha. They left early to avoid the heat. Girgos was intrigued. Are things always such a mess, Sonia? Girgos asked absently. He knew the answer. There was a similar trend toward chaos in Biblos. Things were becoming less predictable, and more things were apt to go wrong now. It was just another sign of the collapse of the status quo. Well, he said, let's find Azuru and figure out another plan. I assume you've heard what happened, Aziru, Girgos asked when they found him. I heard just now. The fellow has decided he does not care for Pharaoh's servant today. None of it is a major problem. My father has a new project and needs time before we meet up. We will walk to Evla. It is just a few days. Girgos nodded, defeated. Things were definitely out of his control now. As they started another day of walking, no one spoke for the first twenty minutes. Girgos finally broke the silence. Something doesn't seem right, Sonia. I feel exposed. Where are the other men, Azero? the ones you were with yesterday? They went to meet up with father. They will meet us in Ebla. Azero seemed unconcerned. This area between Baalbek and Ebla is a sort of demilitarized zone. Egypt collects taxes all the way to Balbek, while taxes from Ebla and towns north go to the Mitanni. Kadesh, in the middle, is a no-man's land, and that is where I feel the safest. You're in good hands, my man. There's no need to worry. End of chapter.